Got it. It's being recorded. <sighs> What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena with Mac and Griff. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my co-host, Mac Rommel. And uh, today we have a- another short episode. The NFL news has, has really been coming in pretty slow. Not much has been going on with the NFL, um, but as soon as something happens, make sure to tune in this channel. We'll be covering it live. But obviously, the NBA Finals are in session, um, but it is a good weekend of sports. we got the MLB Home Run Derby coming up on Monday, as well as the All-Star Game. Uh, I'm repping the New York Mets today, my boys. Uh, first place going into the break. It's what it's going to be. Very exciting. A great time to be a Mets fan. Hopefully, they'll make a move at the trade deadline. We'll have that all covered on Outside the Arena, as well as OTA Clips. We'll probably start discussing that next week or the week after that getting into some potential trades but today we will focus on the nba finals i also want to touch on i have to touch on it usc 264 the day we're filming this is going to be uh it's going to be occurring so i might even film a little snippet tomorrow to put in there of my reaction it's going to be here if it is if not if i didn't just say anything if i wasn't excited that corner got the knockout or that dustin unfortunately whooped his ass who knows but you know what happened Obviously, that is the main event, uh, really one of the biggest sporting events of the year, probably going to be um, a major fight. So if you haven't tuned into that, I guess, or watched the highlights, if you haven't already, clearly you'll know what happened. But I'm excited for that. But today we are going to be focusing on the NBA Finals. So I've talked a lot. Mac, why don't you get us started? Suns, obviously, when we're recording this um, and when you're seeing this, too, are, are currently up game uh, are currently up 2-0, game three tonight um, when you're seeing this. So. Um, what are your thoughts so far in the series? Obviously, Phoenix has looked good, um, and the Bucks. Giannis has played both games, but haven't been able to edge out a win quite yet. Yep, Suns obviously are up two to nothing in Game One. Really, this was the Chris Paul show. After 60, 16 years, he's finally made the finals. He had thirty-two points, nine assists. Devin Booker had twenty-seven points, and in that third quarter, that's where Paul really exploded. He had sixteen points. He went six for seven and made all of his threes. And DeAndre Ayton, he's been continuing that breakout stretch. He had twenty-two points and nineteen rebounds. And the whole team in general, the Suns, they had six players over ten points. They really took control at the line. They made twenty-five from the line compared to the Bucks nine. For the Bucks, after missing two of those games, as you said, with a with a knee injury, Giannis had 20 points, 17 rebounds. While Middleton scored 29, Brook Lopez contributed with 17 points. But the Bucks really didn't have enough this game uh, to put up a fight and clearly win this game against the Suns and their explosive offense. Game two, the Suns they win this one once again, 118 points once again. But the Bucks they had 108. And Giannis, this is one of the best games he's had. He had 42 points. He shot 15 of 22. He had 12 rebounds, four assists, and three blocks in this game. But the hot shooting Suns, they were able to keep the Bucks out of range to win this game. And Giannis, once again, he took over that third quarter. He scored 20 points, and I believe this was a record for most points scored in a quarter in the NBA Finals. I could be wrong, but that's what I do believe I saw on the screen when I was watching this game. 
For Phoenix, they hit 20 of 43 point shots, shot nearly 50% from the field as a team as well. Chris Paul and Devin Booker really won the uh, the game for the Suns in the second half. They played explosive on offense and they scored or assist on 18 of 21 of their second half shots as a team. They combined for 36 in the second half. Devin Booker, he performed great in this game. He had 31 points leading the team. He hit 12, uh, 7 of 12 three-pointers. Bridges had 27 points. Paul had 23 points and provided a lot of offensive punch. But for the Bucks, this is kind of the opposite. You have players like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. They combined 12 of 37. That's 32% from the field, and they would need to be much better if Milwaukee really wants to come out and try and win this series. Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, even just thinking, I mean, to me, before I, I really get into the breakdown, it's just crazy that the Phoenix Suns are in the NBA Finals. I mean, you look at last year and, and where they were at in the bubble and and how they, you know, had a great run there. And, and you know, they almost made the playoffs, but they didn't quite. And to go from not even a team going to the playoffs, to now looking like they're going to potentially sweep or potentially uh, win in five this, this NBA Finals. It's really crazy um, to think about. And, you know, props to them. But it is is kind of mind blowing. This team has been one of the worst teams in the league for for many years, and all of a sudden they kind of just erupted and became you know this dominant powerhouse. It seems so um, pretty crazy. We got Mac Rommel on the move here. Um, but game one, like you said, um, <laughs> game one, like you said. I mean, this was just the Chris Paul show. He played great first NBA Finals. You see LeBron tweeting on him, uh, one of his best friends on Twitter. Uh, but obviously, Chris Paul. 32 points, nine assists. That's what you expect. And I think DeAndre Aiden was really one of the also unsung heroes of this game. 19 rebounds, 22 points. I mean, that's almost a 2020 in your first ever finals game. He has been exceptional for them in these playoffs. He has been, um, you know, crashing the boards, getting the rebounds. He's done everything well. Um, you know, you look at game one, Giannis' first game back. He played good. It wasn't his explosive performance that you might expect, like game two per se, um, only 20 points. But, I mean, Drew Holiday kind of had a nice game. Chris Middleton played all right. I mean, this one for me, though, um, I think you can just see the difference in these teams at the free throw line. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks, they're not the best free throw shooting team, specifically Giannis, but they shot 56% from the free throw line. I mean, that's unacceptable. I can shoot better than 56% from the free throw line at the end of the day. You put me up there for, for 10, 20 shots, I'm going to make more than 50% of those shots, probably around 60%. I mean, that's not the hardest thing to do. Um, so that that's unacceptable if you're an NBA team. I don't care if you shot six shots. I don't care if you shot seven. I mean, they shot 56. So I'm assuming they shot a decent amount, maybe 16, 17 or, or 11. I don't know, something, something up there, but um, to make 56% is unacceptable compared to Phoenix's 96%. I mean, that, that at the end of the day, when you're at the free throw line, you got to make your shots. Those will, will make the difference. Um, I don't have the exact number of free throws. Um, if you want to look that up, Mac, um, you can, but at the end of the day, um, that can't happen. Like you can't shoot 56% from the line game two. Like you said, I mean, this was, you know, the Giannis, Giannis really had his best game. Um, I haven't pulled up if you want me to say that real quick. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Bucks, nine for 16, 56.3%. Suns, 25 for 26, 96.2%. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it right there. I mean, Phoenix won this game at the free throw line. They missed one free throw all game. I mean, that's pretty incredible. That's what you got to do, though. That's it. I mean, you can go back to when we talked about March Madness. The free throw line is where you get your points. You got to get your points there. Um 25 points, and, and you said nine for 16. I mean, you can't shoot, miss seven free throws when you shoot 16. I don't care who you are. I don't care who's shooting them. can't happen. Everyone needs to, to – they need to get to the line at the end of the day. But game two, 
Giannis really played great for the rest of his team, just completely let him down here. I mean, you look at the stats again, Bucks 65% from the free throw line. Again, this team cannot manage to shoot more than 70%. You look at Phoenix, though, they played great. I mean, 50% from three, and they made, I mean, two, five, seven, 14, or 17 threes or something like that. I mean, they shot 50%. That's pretty incredible. 85% again from the line. They're such a good free throw shooting team. But for the Bucs, a, a huge letdown from Chris Middleton. I mean, 11 points in an NBA Finals game. You're supposed to be that number two option. Just a complete disaster for him. I mean, that is just unacceptable. You look at what Giannis is doing with his 42 points. He's playing great, and he's injured right now. You know, he, he his injury, you don't come back that quick, per se. He's playing banged up. He's not 100%, nowhere near it. And he's doing, putting up 42 points. And Chris Middleton, who's good to go in 41 minutes, but the most minutes on the team is putting up 11 points. I, I don't care about the assists and the rebounds. You're there to score, and uh, you let this game in. I mean, you look at the stats. You kind of touched on it. Phoenix was able to keep pace in that in that second half while Giannis was, was really going off. But second quarter, they won this game. I mean, they outscored him by 14 in the second quarter. That was the difference. Um, they, they won the game in the second quarter. Bucks, you know, consistency, they just couldn't, couldn't keep it up. So really interesting. I mean, if I had to predict how the rest of the series goes before I flip it back to you, I mean, I, I just can't see the Bucs winning the series right now with the way they're playing. It's just too much, too much inconsistency. You're going to need to see Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday really step it up to pair with Giannis. Because, I mean, you look at Phoenix right now, Aiden's playing good, Booker's playing good, Chris Paul's playing good. Those guys all play good. They don't have these off games. Um, so you're going to need a step up from Middleton and Drew Holiday. So I would say Suns in four or five for me. Um, Suns in four guy, that guy's become infamous on the internet. Why not? Suns in four. But um, yeah, realistically, the Bucs would probably get a game at home. But I don't know, man. It's not looking good for Milwaukee. Um, you hate to see this for Giannis. Um, but, I mean, they just got to shoot better from the free throw line. I mean, these days of practice, you, you got a lot of days in between. Mike Budenholzer, you just got to send those guys to the free throw line and figure something out. Because right now, the way they're shooting, it's just unacceptable. I completely agree with you. I think the, thun, the Suns, not the Thuns, got this game in four or five, like you said. I do think there's a solid chance that the Bucks could sweep one out while they're at home for the next two games. Uh, but right now, the Suns, they're looking too explosive on offense, and I think it'll be very hard to stop them uh, for the rest of the series. And with that, I mean, is that it, you think? I mean, is there anything in the NFL world you want to kind of talk about? I mean, I feel like we, we could have something to talk about. Uh, well, the news yesterday or Friday for whoever's seen this, Frank Clark uh, is getting up to three years in prison for um, assault with a weapon, I believe it was. So that will be a huge loss uh, for the Chiefs defense. He's a solid and cornerstone piece of that defensive line. You have Chris Jones, but Frank Clark, if you're going to be missing out on pass rush, uh, and like you saw last year with the Buccaneers in that Super Bowl, you need pass rush if you're going to want to beat the Bucs. And if you're going to want to want to beat the Chiefs with Frank Clark, they struggle to do that. Now, without him at defensive end, they're going to struggle even more, and they're going to have to find a way to put something together on that defensive line uh, before the season starts. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that, um, you know, what the deal is. I mean, I'm assuming from, from what you said, it doesn't sound like he's going to be playing much this season, if at all. Um, so, you know, It'll be interesting to see. I also don't know how that works contractually. I mean, if, if do they then get to void his contract or whatnot, or, or how does that work? Because that'd be interesting because, I mean, his contract, if I'm not mistaken, is, is in the $20 million range. So, I mean, opening up that kind of cap space for a team like the Chiefs could be good. I mean, right now there's not many guys, but you look at the market, a guy like Melvin Ingram stands out. I mean, I, I can't imagine the Chiefs are not going out and jumping on a guy like that, a guy like that caliber with that much talent. Uh, still out there this late in the free agent process. 
you got to be jumping on that. I mean, he's a great edge rusher. He can do a lot of things for you. So, you know, you've seen him a lot in the division. So to me, if it seems like Frank Clark is not going to be available and you might be getting some of that salary back, Melvin Ingram's a good guy. You can go out and sign. And, and for him, I mean, he's never won a championship. I don't know if he's looking for a long-term deal. I'm assuming he is at this point if he's held out. But, you know, if you do have to end up taking a short-term deal, you may as well take it with the defending AFC champs and the team that, you know, you're going to have a lot of potential success with. So um, that could be a potential move that, that uh, could work out for the Chiefs if, if Frank Clark is, um, you know, going to prison, putting on the jumpsuit. Yep, I love that. I love that. I kind of forgot about Melvin Ingram still being out there. There's all these guys that are still out there. You have Richard Sherman, a bunch of players that are going to be able to contribute next season. They're still unsigned. But Melvin Ingram, I love the point you made. I do think it'll be probably a short-term deal with whoever he gets signed with. I believe he's 32, something like that. And I don't think many teams want to yeah. take a risk on an aging defensive end, but you get him for a one, two year deal, figure out the Frank Clark situation. Um, if after he's not able to play whatever the situation turns out to be, let's say Frank Clark isn't able to play for a few years, but you sign Melvin Ingram for that time um, that Frank Clark would be out. And then maybe you see if Frank Clark change, maybe bring him back, uh, test him out, see how his athleticism still is after all this crap goes away. And maybe you could bring him back. It's a tough situation, but the chiefs, uh, they're going to have to find a replacement for Frank Clark, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Another interesting thing that happened that just came to mind in the NFL world, the whole this, this whole Nikhil Harry situation has been really odd. I mean, yeah. you look at him a few years ago. I believe he was taken in the – I believe it was the second. It was it might have been the first round. It was the first, first or second round pick. First round. Okay, wow, that's crazy. He was taken ahead of guys like DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown. I mean, that's pretty incredible to look back. You know, that has all failed. The Patriots don't really need him or value him. He requested a trade. Um, obviously, it's not going to take much, um, you know, to get him at this point. He's, he's pretty much a shitter. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, on that whole situation? Um, what is a potential team that you might like to see jump at it and say, hey, maybe this guy's got something in the tank. Let, let's see what happens. With it. And, you know, what are your thoughts? Who, who do you think could, could potentially not use him? I don't think anyone could use him, but maybe un uncover some special talent of his. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of saw this on Instagram one day, and I'm like, okay, that could be a good fit. Because the more I'd like to see this guy play on this team, the happier I would be for my team. And I'd like to see him go to the football team. I think they have a solid <laughs> ring. You're going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick in there. It's just a completely new re regime, whatever, however you pronounce it. Um, but bring him regime. <laughs> uh, you have regime. Curtis Samuel in there, and I think Curtis Samuel could be a player he could look up to and try to model his game after. Nikhil Harry, obviously. Um, from his college tape and what we've seen the Patriots try to use him as. He's been kind of a guy that you would look more to uh, in the end zone, but he has speed. Uh, he has some physical traits, and I think Curtis Samuel is a player that he could be and potentially turn into a similar player as. Definitely not the same caliber of player, but I think the play style would fit him well to learn from a guy who uses a gadget guy, could go run downfield, catch some deep balls, and I think that would be a good fit for Nikhil Harry with the football team. It's a good pick. Um, it's interesting to think about. I mean, when I'm thinking about it, I kind of want him to go to a team where there there might be an opportunity for him to really play a lot. Like, I feel like with a football team, like, you would play some, but it wouldn't be, like, a full opportunity. I feel like a team should take a chance that, you know, doesn't have much to lose. I mean, one team that came to mind, Baltimore, could be interesting, but they kind of have, like, a Marquise Brown type thing. So I wasn't necessarily loving um, – that for him I mean when you think about kind of some of these bottom tier teams right now in the league that you know might be interested in him um 
It's really tough. I mean, you could look at the Jets, but their wide receiver room is already complicated. I feel like you don't want to add that to that. Um, I mean, it, it's really tough to say. I feel like the Raiders are always a team that would take a chance on a guy like that. I mean, I could see the Raiders doing something like that. I mean, it's Arizona not- could yeah. use the depth, honestly. Um, you know, staying in that kind of area, Arizona could could use some depth. I mean, I'm just kind of thinking through what teams it really could work out for. Um, you know, if I had to predict a team, honestly, a team that I'd like to see him go to, um, it'd be right now, I'd say the Houston Texans. Um, I think it makes sense. They have a good relationship um, with their GM. I believe he came from New England. I might be wrong, but that's, I believe that um, is where he f- was from. So they have a good relationship, good center relationship. I mean, you look at that, that um, you know, Houston team. It, it, I don't even know what's going on with them, to be honest. The whole Deshaun Watson thing, I, I have no, there's been no word on that for, for months now. No one really knows what's going on with that with that team. I mean, they've signed like six running backs to all play. So do not draft like David Johnson in fantasy. They have like Mark Ingram. They have uh, they might I think they signed Philip Lindsay too. I mean, what a mess. But um, you know, wide receiver wise, they really only have Brandon Cooks. Um, they don't don't really have another true number two or three. So I mean, you look at a team that has a, a potential opening and and spot for playing time and is going to not really be competing. Um, I like the Keel Harry to the Texans. I feel like that's a good move for them. Um, you take a risk on a guy. If it doesn't work, you know, whatever. But if it does, you got another solid receiver. So um, to Texans, honestly, uh, just thinking about it makes sense. Yep, I think that's a good pick. And I like what you said about the Raiders. I think the Raiders would be a, excuse me, a good fit for Nikhil Harry. You have Henry Henry Ruggs just looking to develop. Nikhil Harry is looking to do the same thing, trying to resurrect his career. So I think the Raiders also would be a good fit. I like the point you made about the Texans. Really only have Brandon Cooks on that team right now. Uh, Got to get another player who could hopefully, um, like I said, resurrect, continue his career and improve. Uh, but going back to Deshaun Watson situation, you kind of remind me about that. I completely forgot that that was even yeah. – you haven't heard words on it for months. Is he going to be playing? Is he going to get suspended? Like what is going on? with Deshaun Watson to think the football season, what a month and a half away, let's say, and he is not ready. Uh, or this has actually been- crazy. The football season is coming. Like it's like, it's, I think it's like two months or something like that. Like I think it's like probably till like the regular season, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Deshaun Watson, this has been situated. That's definitely going to pick up. I believe within the next few weeks, next month, I will probably start hearing a, a few more details about that, but Houston Texans, I think is a very good fit for Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Two months from yesterday is the date that the NFL season will see the Dallas Cowboys head to Tampa Bay. So that is super exciting. Actually, we're within two months of the NFL season. So uh, a lot more NFL coverage is going to be coming our way um, on his channel. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of that and a lot of fantasy stuff as well. So stay tuned for all that. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on. I'm trying to think if there's any other things you can maybe talk about uh, or if you just want to wrap this up. I don't really know. I guess we could wrap things up here then. Uh, no more NFL news in my head. There really hasn't been any news yeah. for who, how long at this point. Pretty dry. It's quiet. It's, it's that time of the year when it's quiet. And we didn't – it's interesting because, I mean, we are also now less than two weeks away from our one-year anniversary on Outside the Arena. Pretty crazy. July 23rd was the first date we started it all off. So it has been a crazy year. Um, we appreciate everyone for watching, for all the support. Um, we're definitely going to do some sort of episode that will come out on the day. Um, just reminiscent of, you know, the past year, how crazy it's been um, and how, you know, what, you know, favorite moments, um, 
maybe tell some stories and whatnot. I mean, we'll figure something out and try and even get a montage. I've been lazy with the montage. It's so hard to do, but we will try and get some sort of montage out there. I promise it'll, it'll get done hopefully. Um, yep. So, but that is coming up as well, which is super um, exciting. Um, we're trying to get more guests. We're doing our best. It is hard. People are busy. So we'll figure that out as well. But as, as always, we will, uh, we'll keep working. And uh, yeah, but that is coming up two weeks, July 23rd. That is pretty crazy to think of that. Stay tuned, everyone. That'll be an exciting, exciting episode. But with that, we can wrap things up here on Outside the Arena. Make sure you guys like, comment, and subscribe, not only on this channel, but our other second channel, OTA Clips. Please also go and subscribe to uh, Outside the Arena on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you can't deal with watching the YouTube video and you think it's easier to just plug in the audio, listen in the car, whatever it may be, that will be the place to listen to just audio, make things a little bit easier on yourself. And then if you guys want to come on OTA Clips, um, just feel free to reach out to us. And the best place to do that would definitely be on Instagram. My Instagram is mac.rommel. Griffin's Instagram is Griffin Senek. And our podcast Instagram is Outside the Arena Podcast. So as I said, please feel free to reach out to us there. And as always, stay safe and we'll see you all next week.